Greetings and welcome. You're listening to the Genesis Podcast, the official podcast of the Genesis Community Church in Upland, California. It is our goal to inspire one another to change the world by effectively living in the way of Jesus. Check out our website, thegenesisstory.com. There, you can learn more about us, where and when we meet, ways to invest and support, but most importantly, how to get connected. Thank you for spending time with us today. Good morning. Good to see all of you here this morning. And thank you again for those of you who are online watching. I'll mention it again later, but we do have the gift stockings for Foothill Family Shelter over there uh, to my left, your right, or for those watching, it's over there. The boys are set on the left side. The girls are on the right. Uh, Brianna has them in color-coordinated order, so don't mess up her feng shui. Um, And there are a couple ways that you can participate. If you want to take a name, it has the information on the child, and you can fill the stocking yourself. We're recommending $35 to $40. If you don't want to do that if you just want to sponsor a child. So for those watching online, if you would like to sponsor a child, but you won't be here to take the stocking and fill it, you can give money towards that and let us know if you want to pick the child's name. You can uh, pick the name. There's a Judah who was there last year too. So I think we'll get Judah um, just because. And not because you, but because of our Judah, but not to make you feel bad. You're good Judah, too. Um, anyway, that was awkward. Uh, you can just uh, sponsor a child and donate the money, and we will fill that. Um, we had, I think, 33 kids, but there's another family coming in, so there might be up to 40 kids, and I think we've got about 10 of them gone already. So great. This is our first day, and great job. So again, appreciate you guys participating in this, and uh, anyway, talk a little bit more about that later again. Let's pause. Let's pray this morning. I am going to talk about being stuck. And hopefully, I'm not the only one who feels that way. Otherwise, this will be just for me. But let's pause and let's pray. Lord, it is our desire as followers of Christ to live lives that mimic you, that follow in your steps. And Lord, sometimes that seems so difficult. Sometimes it feels unattainable. And then sometimes I'm just not motivated. Lord, I pray that you would allow this time to be a place where we honestly convey what's happening within us, not only to you, but to us, that we would allow this to be an opportunity for work to take place within us that helps us in this endeavor to live like Jesus. Lord, might we be encouraged by one another. Might we also take time to encourage others and allow your spirit's work within us to work through us. 
We are grateful for this time. We ask your blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. I've mentioned the stockings again. I encourage you to head over to the table, pick some names. Or if you're online watching and you want to contribute, you can send the money in with a note saying that this is for the children. Let us know as soon as we can. I counted there's 19 left, which means we've gotten rid of quite a few. Um, So let us know as soon as you can. That way we can fill that, uh, those names up with those kids. Also wanted to let you know that we are going to have a get-together on Saturday, November 19th at Corrine, it's not Saturday, Sunday, November 19th at Corrine in my house. So I'm going to smoke a turkey. Um, Friends, it is so good to see you. Excuse me. So again, Sunday, November 19th, you're invited to come and join us for food at our house. We'll have more information. Uh, Definitely, you can bring some food uh, to complement my smoked turkey. Um, But we'd love to see you there. And just, it's one of the things that inspired the talk this morning as I get into it is conversations that I've been having, uh, talking with Brian about just this feeling stuck and unable to get out of the rut that we find ourselves in. And hopefully this will be an opportunity for us to do that as we get together, enjoy each other's company and conversation and food. And so you guys, again, are invited to come. Please let us know if you can make it and what you'd like to bring, and we'll give you more details as time has come closer. But that'll be two weeks from today, uh, Sunday, November 19th. This morning, I'm going to talk to you about buying bread, the perfect storm, a man named Hobab, and an intervention. Have you ever gone to the store to buy groceries and then they bring, if the store has a bakery, they bring out the fresh bread, they come out on a rack and they bring out the bread and it's like a magnet, right? I came to get vegetables and fruit and healthy things and then the bread came out and that's all that mattered. I mean, it's fresh, it's hot and it smells like heaven, Right, it's just so, and so you go and you buy it because at that moment it, it's just moving you. That's kind of why I'm changed from talking about Jeremiah. I'll continue going through Jeremiah, but I, I just felt with some of the things that have happened in my life this week, I, I couldn't ignore them. I, I had to buy the bread. I had to taste it. I had to step into it myself personally, as well as invite you guys to participate with me in it. And hopefully it's something that we can all relate to, this idea of being stuck. The past few years have just been horrendous. I was thinking back and I was thinking about about when we first 
transitioned from the school to these two spaces and how we got the other space and the excitement about building it out and putting the Genesis works into play where we are going to start developing a co-workspace. And there was so much excitement, so much momentum, so much energy moving that I just remember feeling like, yes, this is something, had just this desire to push through that. And then I remember my mom got sick and the cancer came back and her going to chemo and my time spent with her, taking her there to the doctor, going through the treatments with her. And then she passed away in December of 2019. And it seems like as I was even just recovering from that, we were hit with a pandemic, right? And it wasn't just the pandemic. It was like a perfect storm. That year, 2020, there was the pandemic. There was the elections that were so divisive. There was social unrest. There was so much going on that it became difficult to have focus being in a new place, we had to re, we had to pivot and kind of move to being online because we weren't in the way that we needed to be to be able to, you know, still communicate. And because it was became so divisive at that time, whether it was through the pandemic, well, are you meeting or are you not meeting? Are you getting vaccinated or are you not getting vaccinated? The elections, are you, you know, pro-Trump? Are you pro-Biden? Are you Democrat? Are you Republican? So many things. And then George Floyd and then the problems that are, you know, are, is this Black Lives Matter? Are you, you know, how are you positioning all these things? And you could not please everybody. And we had a pretty diverse group. And so there was a lot of tension and apparently, you know, some couldn't hang with the divisions and all the changes that were going on and decided not to continue with us. I had read and heard from uh, Monica Gandhi. She's got a new book called Endemic, a post-pandemic playbook. And she is a doctor professor dealing with this topic, with disease. And she says that it is estimated that 6.6 million people died from COVID in the past few years worldwide. And that's from, not with, okay? She's distinguishing the difference. And then she says that up to 12 million deaths are collateral damage from lockdown, from heart failure, from tuberculosis, from cancer, from malaria. There's depression, there's suicide, all these things that are just contributing to this number. And and so in the last few years, you're thinking about, you know, 18, close to 20 million people dying because of this pandemic and the inability to deal with it as maybe we should have. And all these things start to just weigh down on us. Being isolated isn't good for anyone, but when it becomes normalized and when you get used to it, right? In in this last few years too, I had two surgeries and I broke my hand. And so there was an immobilization of myself. I remember 
my appendix, I didn't know it at the time when it ruptured, I just had this side ache and thinking, okay, I don't think I can go to work tomorrow. I better go to the doctor, go to the doctor and say, yeah, your appendix ruptured. You need to get this removed. I'm like, okay. So they, you know, take me to Kaiser and I get the surgery. I wake up with a tube coming out of me in this bag. It's like, I didn't come in here with this. What's going on? You know, I am, is this the rest of my life? What's going on? But through the surgery, they found in the ultrasound a tumor on my kidney. So later on, I went and had that tumor removed. And I remember when I was recovering from the tumor being removed in the recovery room, I'd wake up and I was kind of groggy and say, like, okay, I guess I'm done. And then the nurse would wake me up again. And she'd say, hey, breathe. And I'd like, oh, breathe. Okay, breathe. I never needed to be reminded of that before, but I guess I need to be reminded now, right? It was because of the medication and this numbing of my senses that I had to be reminded to breathe as the anesthetic, as it wore off. But immobility, my hand, I, I couldn't move my fingers and they're still stiff after all these days, years, I guess now. It's something that starts to overwhelm us. So many people I know in this period of time have gotten so sick. Some of us very, very sick, where they're no longer able to interact the way they used to. Think of the people we've lost. Colleen, Shannon, your dear son. This week, I lost a friend on Tuesday. She was 35. And it's complicated her life. She had three kids. The youngest is under two years of age. Not to mention the ongoing wars and fear that is put out on the news. It's no reason. There's no reason to doubt why we feel stuck when we have gone through so much in this short period of time. And if you're like me, there was like a switch that flipped after my second surgery and I was coming out of it and I was just feeling like, man, I just don't have that energy for life like I used to. I was kind of like, yeah, I've had a good run. I'm ready to throw in the towel, right? I'm, I'm just, and part of me is resisting that, saying, no, you can't give up yet. But man, it's just hard to shake. And I know I'm not alone, that a lot of us just feel like, man, I am stuck. Something has changed, and I can't get to where I used to be. And I want to let you know that you're not alone and that it's a common human experience when things like what we've gone through happen. So I want you to turn with me to Genesis chapter 47. Now, the story we're picking up, Jacob, we know, was sold by his brothers into slavery. He's in Egypt now, and he's risen to be just under Pharaoh. He has helped Pharaoh through the famines that were there. And because of the famines that were there, his family had to come back to Egypt to get food, to get grain, and they encounter Joseph, but he's incognito, and he has them 
has them go and get their brother, his younger brother, Benjamin, and bring him back. And then he plays like he's going to keep him. And they say, we can't do that. You know, our father has already lost one son. If he keeps Jacob, we can't go back without him. And Judah says, I will stay. Just take him. And finally, Joseph breaks and he tells his brothers, guys, it's me. And they freak out because they remember, well, we sold him into slavery. What's going to happen here? But he says, go back and bring father. And so that's what happens. He's gone back. They're bringing Jacob back. And that's what we have here in chapter 47, verse 1. So Joseph went and informed Pharaoh, my father and my brothers with their flocks and herds and all that they own have come from the land of Canaan and are now in the land of Goshen. He took five of his brothers and presented them to Pharaoh. And Pharaoh asked his brothers, what is your occupation? They said to Pharaoh, your servants, both we and our ancestors are shepherds. And they said to Pharaoh, we have come to stay in the land for a while because there is no grazing land for your servant's sheep since the famine in the land of Canaan has been severe. So now, please let your servants settle in the land of Goshen. The Pharaoh said to Joseph, now that your father and brothers have come to you, the land of Egypt is open before you. Settle your father and brothers in the best part of the land. They can live in the land of Goshen. If you know of any capable men among them, put them in charge of my livestock. Joseph then brought his father, Jacob, presented him Pharaoh, and Jacob blessed Pharaoh. Pharaoh said to Jacob, I love this. How many years have you lived? In other words, how old are you? Why would he ask them that? I'm wondering how Jacob looked. Jacob probably looked really old, right? Dude, how old are you? I'm adding the dude. But I imagine that that's kind of the the feeling that's going there. And Jacob said to Pharaoh, listen to his response. My pilgrimage has lasted 130 years. My years have been few and hard. And they have not reached the years of my ancestors during their pilgrimages. So Jacob blessed Pharaoh and departed from Pharaoh's presence. Those words, my years have been few and hard. I can relate to that. Even though I'm only halfway to 130, right? (laughs) Years have been few and they've been hard. I was raised with this idea of self-dependency. I think most of us were, that it's my job to get myself going, that it's my job to make sure that my walk is right with God. And, And if I read my Bible, if I pray, if I go to church, and if I witness, then I will have all the things that I need to have my life right with God, and everything will be okay. But I need more than that. And as good as those things are, I think something vital is missing from this way of thinking. And what's missing is the need for others. If it hasn't been for other people in my life, I don't know what would have happened in the past few years to me, with me. I think of my Aunt Rose and how she still meets 
with her high school friends to this day. That's amazing. That is incredible. She's such a social person. You know, she still goes for walks every day of the week with certain people. I mean, she's just got this influence of people, and it shows because there's this vitality that comes from her life. And, and the same thing is true with us. We, we need help. We need the voice of others to help us through and to the places that we need to go. There's a man named Hobab that most people aren't familiar with. And we find his story in Numbers chapter 10. And here we have Moses leading the people to the promised land. And in Numbers chapter 10, starting at verse 29, Moses said to Hobab, and Hobab is Moses's brother-in-law, a descendant of Ruel the Midianite and Moses' relative by marriage. A Midianite, he's not an Israelite, he's a foreigner. It says, we're setting out for the place the Lord promised. I will give it to you, come with us, and we will treat you well, for the Lord has promised good things to Israel. But he replied to him, I don't want to go. Instead, I will go to my own land and my relatives. Moses, again, please don't leave us, Moses said, since you know where we should camp in the wilderness and you can serve as our eyes. If you come with us, whatever good the Lord does for us, we will do for you. Did you know it was a foreigner who led the children of Israel to the promised land? It's the stranger who knows where to camp, where the water is. It's the foreigner who needs to be their eyes so that they can see. It's the other person who needs to help them. I think it's pretty silly to think that we have all the answers and have all the information that we need to find our way out of whatever wilderness we're in. I think it's a step in humility to recognize that without the help of others, we will not make it out of whatever place we are in. And even though that goes against what I was taught to be self-sufficient about how we need to do this on our own and it's our own strength that gets us there, just all I need is the Lord and me, that's just not true. The Lord is there, but how does the Lord show up? He shows up through a foreigner and leads them to the promised land. Think of Matthew chapter 25, when Jesus tells them, you know, when I was hungry, you fed me. Thirsty, you gave me drink. When I was poor and unclothed, you clothed me, visited me in prison. Sick, you brought me things to help me. And they said, when? Whenever you did this to the least of these, you did it to me. You see, it was encountering the stranger that they encountered God. It was encountering the other that they were able to encounter God. It was by helping these people that they were helping the Lord and they were actually getting the help that they needed. 
instead of trying to answer who is God, maybe we need to change the who to where is God? If we make God simply a who, then whoever we find will be too small to help us out of the pit we're in. But where is God? We start to find that God is in more places than we understood or thought. He is not just in a book. He is not just in a building. And he's not just in one person like a priest or a pastor, but he is found even in the foreigner, even in the stranger, even in the friend, but he is found in others. When we think we have God figured out and know our way, when we treat people like projects or metrics to add to the figures, you know, we're successful because we have these things happening, this ministry and these people. When it becomes corporate, when the church becomes commerce and not community, we lose the help that we need. But when others are our help, our connection, our guides in the wilderness, then life starts to become an adventure again. Then we start to have life breathed into us from those around us. Because when I am out of breath, I need someone else to help breathe life into me. I need it. And it doesn't matter how good my relationship with God is, how much I know about the Bible. I need others. Paul would call it the body of Christ. There's a beautiful passage in Ecclesiastes chapter four, verse nine. It says, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their effort. For if either falls, his companion can lift him up, but pity the one who falls without another to lift him up. Also, if two lie down together, they can keep warm, but how can one person alone keep warm? And if someone overpowers one person, two can resist him. A cord of three strands is not easily broken. We need others. I have been picked up by so many people over the years. You guys don't even know the ways that you've picked me up by inviting me somewhere when I would just stay home, by encouraging me when I felt discouraged. How many times I've fallen down and someone has come and picked me up It's not weakness, it's need. And what we need, I think, to get unstuck is the recognition that we're going to need the help of others if we're going to do this. We can't do this on our own. We need help. I was talking with someone this morning and last night he went to an intervention for someone who started using meth and the family reached out to a lot of the friends and he was one of them who went there. And originally he didn't want to go, but one of his friends says, hey, 
if we're his friends and we're not there, who's going to be there? And so he chose to go. And he was saying, you know, they all got around him. They, they told the guy it was going to be a birthday party, and it wasn't. It was an intervention. And so they all sat around and started talking to him, and they're all kind of, you know, trying to share with him, hey, this is where you're at. We know you're struggling. We need to get you some help. And he said that when his nephew talked to him, his nephew said, Uncle, you're the only thing to a father I have, and you're letting me down. And it just broke him. Because someone needed him, and he wasn't able to be there, and he needed them to help him to see that. And so he's chosen now to go into rehab. Thankfully, I've been involved with interventions where it doesn't go well where you're begging, you're crying for someone to get help and they still choose to live the way they want to because they don't want the help, don't listen to the voice of others. We all need an intervention, people. We need an intervention. We need others to come into our lives like Hobab and say, I have eyes to see where you can go and I need your eyes because right now I am blinded by the circumstances. They are overwhelming me. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to help. I don't know how to get out of this funk that I'm in where I'm still feeling like I'm sedated and I'm, I'm feeling like, man, I'm paralyzed from all the things that are happening. I need someone else's eyes, someone else to help me to keep moving again. And we need each other. We need each other. They needed others to help them see where they were. I'm depending on others to help me through this wilderness. And I want to encourage you to do so as well. You know, the hard thing now is, okay, it's going to require something of me. It's going to require me opening up and saying yes. It's going to require me maybe reaching out and asking for help. Even if it's not asking literally for help, just asking to interact with or engage. But it's the recognition that that's what's going to help you move out of the wilderness is other people in your life breathing life into you so that you can begin walking again, so that they can show you, this is where you camp, this is where the water is, come with me, I've been here before, I will help you through this wilderness. And so the answer to being stuck and getting unstuck is someone else. That's humbling. That's necessary. Jesus didn't come to be served, but to serve. You might find that when you actually reach out and start involving yourself, that it brings life to you again. I think of so many of the things that we were doing. I remember Denise made a curriculum for our kids that was amazing. I 
through this idea of, man, we could start this whole new curriculum for churches that are kind of like us in that mindset. Things that we are doing in Haiti, things that we've done in Mexico. Slowly those things, I mean, a lot of it is the difficulties in Haiti. It's just hard to do some of the things that we did, but I don't want to stop doing. I don't want to stop living. I don't want to stop trying to be like Jesus. And so I I want to encourage you to connect. I know a lot of you do not want to get out for various reasons. Some of you physically can't. Some of you emotionally maybe can't. But get help so that you can start moving and living again. And we have a small way we can help this holiday season with the Christmas stockings for the kids at Foothill Family Shelter. You're invited to our house on the 19th to have a little bit of food and conversation. And hopefully just start taking some steps into living again. Because I don't want to give up just yet. Sometimes I feel like it's just too easy. It's too easy for me not to engage in life again. So this is as much a confession to you as it is hopefully a word that encourages you as I have been encouraged by others. Let's pray. Father, we shouldn't be surprised that we need one another. You have told us this through scripture. You've confirmed this in our lives over and over again. Yet there is still this pull to retract, to pull back from society, from all the pain that we see going on around us, all the the confusion, all the anger, Lord, I pray that we would resist that pool and instead fill the pool of your spirit, pulling us into community, into relationship with you through one another, that we would allow the voice of others to bring life and guidance to us, that we would take those small steps that can hopefully lead to us getting out of this mud, out of this wilderness and into a place where your life is breathed into us again. Lord, we are grateful for your word. We are grateful for your body, for your church. Lord, I am grateful for my friends, my family, the people in my life who help me Lord, I pray for those who are without that social network to be able to receive the help. Lord, may we extend ourselves as we know how. And may they reach as they can so that we can live a life not of existence, but of substance and abundance. In Jesus' name. 
May we have the strength to see our weakness. May we reach out for help and extend our hands to help those around us. God bless you guys. Have a great week. You've been listening to the official podcast of Genesis Community Church in Upland, California. If you've been encouraged, found hope, been challenged by what you've heard, we'd like to ask you to help spread the word by sharing our podcast with your friends and family. You can also help support our podcast by visiting us at thegenesisstory.com. It has been our pleasure to have you join us today, and we hope you'll tune in again next week.